everybody welcome back to another edition of the untitled jeff Luck podcast i'm your host jeff Luck, and i'm here in brooklyn new york in the brooklyn cruise terminal where they're holding the formula e-race or at least the media for the formula e-race with john haverland from espn albuquerque john how are you jeff i'm doing great i'm excited to be here uh i have to say I was kind of feeling down about today's uh, the finale for the Formula E race because the championship was basically decided yesterday. But now that we have some wet weather, I'm thinking today might be an exciting race. And from what I'm seeing on social media, this could be Formula One's first ever uh, rainy event. Yes. So uh, Formula E, you mean? Yes. And um, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, I think that no matter what happens, uh, it's likely to probably not be any worse, at least, than last night's NASCAR race, which we'll start by talking about uh i was hoping that we would have um quite a lot to dig into this morning you, you cover nascar as well um that's why i asked you to be on this because your familiar face here at the formula e races don't really know any uh other media who who does both and um so i was like oh, okay well we'll you know, hop on uh, sunday morning this is the morning after the race and, and we'll talk about um all things nascar and then we can touch a little bit on formula e but i mean Oh my gosh, John, what happened last night in Kentucky? Yeah, so that was pretty much the epitome of what NASCAR has been really the last season and a half, just Martin Truex kind of dominating. And then you got, I guess for this season, you got Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick in the top five, got, um, you know, the other SHR cars and maybe some Penske cars mixed in here and there. It was just a very vanilla race, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, it it was just, uh, man, it was tough to watch at times because... I think what's frustrating about it is, okay, it's one thing if you have the big three winning all the races this season. Now they've won 14 races uh, combined. And, you know, it's like that that's, that's one thing, their dominance. But to do it in a dominating fashion where they stink up the show in the process and there's, like, really no drama, it's, like, doubly deflating. You know what I mean? Because, like, let's say Truex had you know, had to come from behind or, or had a, had a tight battle to, for the lead or somebody was chasing him down. And, you know, it was, there was something to watch and you're like, Oh my gosh, Oh, this isn't exciting or intriguing or what's going to happen. Um, you just didn't have that. And so not only do you have one of the familiar guys winning, but then you have it in a fashion that's not even really that entertaining to watch. And it's just like, Oh, it's just, it's just a struggle on those mile and a half tracks like that. I think. It really is, and I tried to be an optimist. Um, at the end of stage one, after they did the pit stops, it was Kurt Busch that took two tires. Joey Logano stayed out, so I thought maybe we'd see like some interesting restart, you know, to begin stage two. And I guess we kind of did. And Kurt Busch led about what forty laps or something like that. I think it was maybe forty-five. And then we saw the same thing later in the race with Keselowski. He did a two-tire stop. I think he led thirty-eight laps last night. But obviously the four tires prevailed. Truex is just, you know, too good on the mile and a half. And he finally, hard to believe, but he finally got that first mile and a half win of the season. Yeah, it is hard to believe he hadn't won a mile, on a mile and a half track this year yet. Um, there's no mile and a half tracks until the playoffs now, which is, um, I would say, a good thing based on what we saw last night. But on the other hand, it's like they've been winning at all sorts of tracks. Um, I, I realized last night, you know, as they're showing the standings of who's won the race this year, um, you know, you, ha- you have uh, the three restrictor plate races have been won by Logano, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, not in that order. And then you have Clint Boyer with two wins. He won the rain-shortened race at Michigan, and he won in Martinsville. 
Um, so when you take away the restrictor plate wins, or the restrictor plate races, which obviously we know are completely different, and uh, you, then you take those four drivers, the big three plus Boyer, those drivers have won all the races of the season. I mean, and we're past the halfway point of the season now, and they've won every race. So it's sort of like, man, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter what track everybody goes to. Um, even a road course, one of the big three won there. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have any sort of solutions here. Uh, obviously, I think SMI, Marcus Smith, was really pushing to have that Kentucky race run the all-star package. And now I'm sure after that, he's probably beating his head against the wall saying, I told you so, you know, because that would have made it more entertaining. But, oh, it's just uh, right now it's, it's, it's a bit of a frustrating season at, at times. Um, I don't know. I, I, let me ask you this. I, I kind of have been going back and forth on whether it's a good thing to have these three. Because in some ways it's like, well, you know that the best guys are being rewarded or they're they're having, uh, you know, it's it, there's no flukes, right? There's no like, okay, well, this guy doesn't really deserve it, but he's up there. And, you know, the, these, these three have gone out and earned it and they're the best team. So there's a positive in that. On the other hand, it's just, like I said, it, it sort of detracts from the entertainment value and um, the unpredictable nature of the race. So do you view it as a good thing that these guys are dominating or or not? I, I can see both good and bad from it. In one respect, I see it good. I like to see domination. It's it, In a way, this season kind of reminds me of what you expect out of like a Formula One season where yeah. you know every season is going to be like Ferrari, Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel. That's kind of what we're seeing, especially like before Truex got hot. It was mostly, you know, it was just Harvick and uh, Kyle Busch week in, week out. Yeah, in, in a way, it, I guess I, I think that the race is, you know, yeah, they lack entertainment, but you're also seeing the best guy win, and that's kind of what the point of competition is, is to see that's the true. best one win. On the other hand, yeah, it's, it, it's the same story. It's just getting old. It's, every week it's the Toyotas and the Fords in the top ten. You got that one Chevy, the 42 car. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a very bland season, I think. This is probably the most uninteresting season I've watched since I've started watching NASCAR, and you're talking since, like, 2000. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to, to the um, – Brad Kozlowski, in one of his blog posts, or maybe just a tweet, uh, put it so well last year, and I think, I think he's really right that the, the best – racing in nascar is is unpredictable racing or just the best racing in general the more unpredictable things are the more exciting is to watch because you can't just watch and say well i know what's going to happen because you're like i have no idea what's going to happen i'm on the edge of my seat who's going to win what's you know how's this going to shake out i have no idea that's what gets you excited about it the more predictable it is if you can sit there before a race and say pretty sure this guy is going to dominate and win or one of these guys is going to dominate and win and that's it it's sort of like it's just, I don't know, it's just deflating. And it's frustrating to watch, obviously, because I think we both obviously care about NASCAR. We're investing our time in it. Um, we are trying to cover it for a living. And so when, when you, you know, you get races like this, you're just sort of like, you sort of shake your head and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know where they go. Because um, it's, it's not just like this was one race. It's been happening sort of frequently. Pretty frequently. Yeah. I and, think after, or before the Sonoma race started, I was, I'm always excited for that race. It's one of my favorite races of the year. I love watching anything on that road course. And by the end of that race, I was just so deflated, like, wow, 
Truex won. Wasn't even a close race. The most dramatic part of the race was uh, Cole Pern kind of deking out uh, uh, Rodney Childers with the uh, the pit call. And I just, after that race, I just kind of sat and thought, do I even want to watch Chicago? Like, I don't think I even want to do it. Um, of course, you know, I did end up watching Chicago. And, of course, I had that great finish. My expectations were so low for that race. And then we had that amazing finish. You know, Dale Jr. own slide job and all that. And the bumping and banging. So I had optimism again. But now, after watching last night's race, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and NBC had had two great races to start off there. Yeah, they did. Um, their season. I mean, the, the Chicago seemed to come out of nowhere. And it was so exciting. And then it seemed like there was so much momentum all of a sudden. And Daytona was entertaining in itself. It, you know, Always is. Yeah. So it's like, oh, NBC's kind of on. They're getting really fortunate here with a couple good races. Now all of a sudden they stumble upon sort of a, a stinker of a race. And, and I think they did a good job with what they had. And, and they tried to make it as entertaining as possible. And I think it was genuine. I mean, Latar gets on Twitter last night and goes, wow, I really enjoyed that. What about you guys? And I don't think he was, like, faking it. I think he had fun doing it. But, you know, they, they, you can only make so much about it out of it and I think watching last night I realized you know it doesn't matter the broadcasters they, they cannot save a race that's not a good race and essentially I mean um, anyway I, I know there's a lot of you listening uh, are share this frustration and so uh, we just want to let you know we hear you as well um, now John um, last night because I, this is Sunday morning usually I do the poll the, the uh, podcast right after the race before I've done the was a good race poll so I ask you uh, to text me your prediction, and I text you my prediction because that the poll's already been out uh, for a couple hours now. So um, you predicted uh, 35%. I predicted 25%. Um, I have to admit that I somewhat uh, cheated a little bit because I went back and, and, you know, last year's Kentucky race was won in a very similar fashion to, to Truex. Or to I remember. What he did last yep. night. Truex did the exact same thing. That the results of that race were 27% yes, I believe. So I thought, okay, well, uh, it'll probably be maybe a little bit lower. So I said 25%. So far, as of this podcast, it's running 21%, I believe. It started a little bit lower, more toward the high teens, and it's moved up to 21%. So um, maybe Truex fans are logging on to voting or something like that. But what, what do you make of that so far? Yeah, you definitely won the uh, prediction between the two of us, but... <laughs> I mean, like I said, I was trying to be a little optimistic, and I like yeah. seeing pit strategy. I like when guys take two tires instead of four tires or just stay out altogether because I think that it leads to more passing. And So you never know what's going to happen when, on those restarts, cars are close together. Someone just gets a little bit loose, you know, just slides up six inches. That might be enough to, you know, spin around two or three cars. So that's why I was kind of hoping that the, uh, the tire strategies, pit strategies, would provide some, some something more but it really just didn't. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully next time you come on the podcast, uh, we'll have more NASCAR stuff to talk about, but uh, at least we do have something else to talk about on the podcast before we go, and that is Formula E. We're both here at the race. Now, a lot of you, I'm sure, listening to this are like uh, about to end the podcast because you're like, oh, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Uh, don't worry. We're not going to talk about the, the racing itself because I know that a lot of you aren't super into it or familiar with it i this is my first time even watching it and i'm here so i never even watched it on tv before coming here um i'm, I'm gonna write a big article about uh sort of my my impressions of it 
but it's very interesting i think in that it's sort of like the opposite of nascar i mean it's um you and i both were at this dinner the other night where um some uh, one of the technical managers from renault was talking about how it's not about speed it's not about power don't compare us to indycar don't compare us to formula one because um yeah it's uh it's, it's all about efficiency. It's all about showcasing um, electrical efficiency. And you had some good questions um, about, you know, the pit stop next year. Because right now they change cars halfway through the race because they can't have the battery last the whole race. And next year they're going to have a, um, a car, a battery that lasts the whole race. So you were like, how are they going to do pit stops? And they had a surprising answer. Yeah, so they're not going to really do pit stops at all. Uh, not even tire changes. Like, I, I thought... When I first learned that they're not going to do any pit stops, I thought I was thinking that uh, Formula E might do something with different tire compounds where they'd make drivers have to do a pit stop at least once, maybe go from soft to hard, hard, soft, whatever. But nope, we're not even going to do that. So I think the drivers are excited about it. Obviously, in front of the press, they're going to say they're excited about that. But it's really, I, it's, it's unprecedented to me. I can't think of a racing series, you know, a major professional series that doesn't do at least one pit stop per race. Well, and, and he said the point of that is that they're trying to showcase electric cars. Um, and so if you have a pit stop showing that your electric car has to stop for some sort of a change, you're defeating the purpose. So this is really, um, uh, in some ways, a marketing platform or a showcase for electric, uh, electric cars um, and how far that technology has come. Somebody else asked, uh, I don't think it was you. Maybe it was you that asked about the road course in the... Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. me. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so you, you said, how come you guys haven't tried a road course? And he had an interesting answer for that as well. Yeah, so I asked why, if they would ever consider doing road courses and why all the races are on street courses. I thought it might be a silly question because I just didn't know the answer since I've started watching Formula E, which I guess was like a year or two ago. And uh, the Renault manager said that it's just that they don't want anything similar to Formula One. They just want to have their own identity racing in city areas, highly populated areas. They're looking to uh, push the tech, uh, technological aspect of it instead of just the speed and you know the danger that you kind of get in Formula One. Instead, now this series is more about technology, innovation, and I guess the best place to do that would be in the middle of a major city. Right. So, I mean... If, if the electrical car revolution is really going to take take place in a, in a mass way, it's going to start in the city centers because people don't have to drive as far. Exactly. Yep. And so he said the entire purpose of Formula E is to race in the city centers to show this technology. If they go to a road course outside the city and they're all over the place, it takes away from it. So it really is so much about showcasing what electrical cars can do rather than I think the racing itself, even the the drivers yesterday, there was a big controversy. Um, the driver that won, the driver who won, uh, passed his teammate when he was told to hold position. But he said that um, there, his teammate left too much of a, a gap, um, and there was no point in that because it's all about managing your battery for at least half the race. Um, because you, since you since you have switched cars, so he he, um, he said there's no point once you get the lead in having a big lead you know what i mean like because you're just wasting your battery so you not only have to go fast and and drive well but you're you're, it's almost like a a fuel mileage race except a battery mileage race you know what i mean yeah exactly and that's why i thought yesterday's race it it, i mean i think for both of us it was a little bit strange to see such a big i guess conundrum over the pass 
but that's just the way this series is and i think yeah um it's it's definitely it's just different i think than it's just than different what, yeah. what we're used to seeing in nascar so um before we go john um so you you live on long island you grew up on long island i do and um so how how in the world did you end up uh wanting to be a nascar writer yeah so it kind of happened on accident um I went to school at Arizona State University, which obviously long way from home, about 2,400 miles or so. And I joined the Cronkite School, and I wanted—I knew I wanted to do something related to uh, sports reporting. I just didn't really know what it was at the time. Uh, coming out of high school, I was like a NASCAR fan. I wasn't like tremendous about it. I'd actually lost a little bit of interest over the years, but um, I was hoping maybe I could do something—baseball, football, whatever—and. One day I got an email. There's like a distribution list that they send to the students. And uh, this, all, this is all was happening during my freshman fall semester. And uh, one of the in- internship opportunities was a volunteer pit reporter at Phoenix Raceway. So I was like, hmm, that might be cool to try. So I, I filled out the application and I emailed uh, the, the manager of the uh, pit notes team. Uh, his name is John Turan. And I, I was a little bit skeptical about even getting the position because it said that they were looking for sophomores and above, and I was a freshman at the time. But, you know, I sent him an email, sent him some writing samples, and he accepted me. And that I, uh, the first weekend I covered a NASCAR event was at Phoenix in November 2013, and I, I was just blown away. It was my first time ever really inside the racetrack, you know, on a race weekend. So I'm seeing these guys. You know, I remember seeing uh, Jeff Gordon, Casey Kane, you know, Carl Edwards walking 15 feet in front of me, I was like so like wide-eyed and overwhelmed. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And, you know, I got to interview some drivers that weekend, obviously. So uh, I did that for uh, about three or four years. Um, and now I do work with ESPN Albuquerque, uh, the New Mexico Motorsports Report. We have a radio show uh, every Saturday morning, uh, 8 a.m. local time. And we discuss not just NASCAR, we talk about all forms of racing. We um, I was at the uh, IMSA WeatherTech uh, sports car race at Watkins Glen two weeks ago. And uh, here and there, I write about Formula One also. So, yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter, at uh, John Haverlin. If you want to know my last name, it's H-A-V-E-R-L-I-N. And I'll more than likely follow you back. <laughs> nice. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. And thanks, John, for, for coming on. And thank um, you, Jeff. You know, hopefully, like I said, I know this is probably a little bit of a downer of a podcast. It's, it's tough to like a little muster. Bit. Yeah, it's it's tough to muster enthusiasm though for the the race. And I I think I don't think we want to like fake it or blow sunshine up people's rear ends or something. I mean, this is what happened. It wasn't a good race. Um, you know, that's the reality of it. So we're trying to keep it real here. So um, hopefully, uh, this didn't ruin anybody's Sunday or, or Monday morning commute. Whenever you're listening to this, but. Um, Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. As I said, um, coming up ne- on the next episode of the podcast, it's going to be a 12 questions version of the podcast with Denny Hamlin. So that'll be exciting. And then it'll be a How I Got Here interview with Nigel Kinraid, who's a photographer. Yep. Uh, well-known photographer in NASCAR. Uh, grew up on the Isle of Man. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And now he's like one of the top photographers in NASCAR. So I'll ask him how he went from there to here. Everyone's got a story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, and then I'll be at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. You'll be there as well, right? I will. I'll see yeah. you there, Jeff. Yeah, so I'll be there, and we'll do a post-race podcast um, Sunday from there with another media member who I have yet to figure out. But um, anyway, in the meantime, thanks, everybody, for listening, and I'll talk to you next time 
on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.